My name is Vera Ngosi Sambrick. I'm 28 years old. I'm from Malawi, but I currently live in Wales. I've been married for a year now. My profession is a chartered mechanical engineer working in the water industry. Outside of work, I enjoy cycling a lot, um, cooking, DIYing, and generally just being creative around the house. I like to think of myself as a new adventurer. So I recently completed my first self-supported endurance cycling race. And I'm at this exciting stage in my life now where I think I'm really beginning to rediscover adventure and just, just finding a new definition of adventure. And I've just got this hunger to be outdoors, challenge myself and just share experiences with people. I'm also a member of the Women of Colour Cycling Collective. And in both my engineering and cycling life, I work to increase representation of black women who are very underrepresented in both areas. I loved how you talked about, you know, rediscovering adventure. Were you adventurous as a little girl? Were you sporty? Were you outdoors? Did you have, um, were you cycling on a bike? You know, what was your childhood like? Yeah, so growing up in Malawi, I had a very um, playful childhood. And I guess what I would consider now to be a carefree childhood, you know, I was allowed to roam the streets and go and play with other kids and get dusty and scrape my knees. Yeah, I remember riding, you know, a bike when I was younger. It stopped, you know, when I was a teenager. But yeah, I'd ride a bike, I'd play all sorts of games with friends. And at school, I played um, whatever sports were available as well. So I was always sort of active and, and, and playing outside with my with my brothers and sisters as well. What did you want to be when you were a little girl? Do you remember back? Yeah, I uh, I think I remember always when I was asked this question, I'd say I wanted to be a nurse. So it was either a nurse or an air hostess. And I think these are the people I'd come across. These are the careers that were available to women. And so it just, yeah. And I think I loved how neatly the nurses dressed and their uniform. So yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to be when I was growing up. And you ended up becoming an engineer. That was a really long title before <laughs> the engineer, but I definitely got the engineer bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, somehow things changed as I grew up and went through school um, and I ended up uh, <laughs> becoming an engineer and not an S. <laughs> While sort of doing your engineering and, you know, going through school, um, studying to become an engineer, becoming an engineer, working what I can imagine must be quite... Um, you know, sort of a stressful job. It might not be, might be a very relaxing job. Were you still, were you cycling? Were you involved in fitness? Was that a part of your life? So not really. So, so yeah, I had, um, so going back to, you know, school, as I said, I played loads of sports and I went to a very sporty high school. So I did play things like hockey and did track and field. Um, And then when I left high school, finished my A-levels, I took a gap year. And from there on, sport just left my life. I just never really did much. I went. Um, I came to the UK for university at that point, and I just didn't join any sports clubs at uni. So for four years of university, I did no sports whatsoever. So it took. So for basically about a period of five years of my life, I just I didn't go to the gym. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Um, and it's only until I started working um, five years ago uh, when I moved to Cardiff for a grad job, and someone invited me to join this um, work football team that I you know, started getting back into sports. And then, yeah, where I started working, there are a lot of cycling enthusiasts and they they do a charity ride every year. And they introduced me, basically, (laughs) reintroduced me to cycling. And that's how I got into cycling and I got back into sports about five years ago. So, yeah, so they they invited me to this um, charity cycling ride. And at the time, I was just um, I started to date um, this man who is now my husband, but he had convinced me to come along on this ride. And I said, well, I haven't ridden a bike since I was a toddler. I'm, I'm not going to ride across Wales and do 200 miles in two days. 
and he said to me, oh, well, what if I, um, what if I get a tandem? You know, it's this thing I'd never heard of, but he said I could just sit on the back and I didn't have to pedal, but I could, you know, see whales because I just moved there and I wanted to see the country. So naively I said, oh, sure, that sounds, that sounds like a plan. I can just drink Prosecco on the back and, and not pedal. This was obviously a lie. So this this ride happened and there was a lot of, you know, screaming at me of pedal on the back and put in some power and and a lot of punctures and just it was just a mad adventure. But that's basically how my cycling journey be- began in earnest. So I caught the bug <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just sort of uh, grown from then, from, from there. Do you know what I'm laughing because how you do, how it's initially described you can just sit on the bike and just see whales. <laughs> like, just, I like, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, sure, that sounds really nice. Like, you know, just sat on the back of a bike, pedaling along, quite this like gentle sort of, um, I suppose you could yeah. almost say a little bit romantic out in Wales on the bike, you know. Yeah, I was promised it was like an Uber service and I was just going to sit at the back and take loads of photographs and, and you know, sip on some bubbly. That's, that's how it was sold to me. And then it's like punctures, come on, we need power, yeah. get pedaling like oh my god you're in a you're in a full-on race but you caught the bug um but caught the bug for cycling probably not tandem cycling so yeah what was the next step for you how did you sort of progress this passion that you had so yeah I mentioned that I'd started to play football at work and then the cycling came along and then I I was at a football tournament and had this injury uh, where I tore my ACL and so that was closed chapter. And suddenly, you know, for the year that I was on rehab, I couldn't do impact sports and uh, my physio recommended doing more cycling. And so that's when I started to, all right, well, I'll give, I'll give, this, a, I'll give this a go. And I, um, I bought my first sort of bike and it was a town bike. And that was just to get a to and from work. So I started cycling um, for a few months and, you know, just, just commuting to work. And as the year went on, I found I really, really enjoyed it. And I started to, you know, hear about and see different types of bikes, road bikes, people doing, you know, different adventures and things. And a year on, I thought, oh, I'd love, I'd love to try this sort of road bike. And I, and that's when I purchased my first road bike. I didn't want to go out on my own because I just had terrible directions and I thought I'm going to get lost and never get home. So I found a cycling club local to where I live and I joined them. And so that allowed me to go on these sort of beginners rides and ladies club rides. And, you know, we'd cycle for an hour, an hour and a half to a cafe, have loads of cake. And I thought, oh, this is the dream. And basically, I did that for a few years. Um, just that sort of weekend um, Sunday club ride with my club until lockdown in 2020, when I then decided to sort of take it up a gear because, you know, suddenly I couldn't cycle with these people because we weren't allowed to cycle with others. And I suddenly had to become more independent, start to figure out my own routes, because I didn't want to just stop cycling because you know I wasn't able to cycle with the club. So yeah, so it's only until lockdown hit that I started being brave enough to go out on my own. You know, I'd still go out my, with my husband on the tandem, but sometimes I'd just, yeah, I'd go out on my own, do a bit of exploring, um, ride a bit further, and grew from there. When did you decide that you wanted to take on your own sort of self-supported race? Had you been entering races at that point or is this sort of a new um, a new dream that happened because of lockdown? Um, so yeah, I'd never, I'd never raced. <laughs> I'd never done a cycling race uh, before I entered this um, ultra distance race. I think the closest I'd come is I'd done one 100 mile sort of fun ride sportive thing uh, a year before that. So what happened, um, 
you know, last year is I, you know, I, I set up an Instagram page because I was missing the community and, you know, um, missing the club and, and people. And I basically met loads of people on the internet and that were doing all sorts of different types of cycling that I hadn't come across. And I started to hear about these long trips that people did, um, you know, doing Land's End to John O'Groats. And it's just things I'd never come across or even considered. And I started to think, oh, that does sound cool. Just like going, you know, covering a large distance. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. So it was, it started to sort of come into the back of my mind as something that I wanted to do. She then sent me this scholarship that had just been announced on that day, which was this ultra distance scholarship. And it was targeted at black and minority ethnic people. Um, and it was basically aimed to introduce you to ultra distance cycling and provide you support and enter you into this this race, the Pan-Celtic race. And I thought, oh my God, I've just said this out loud to someone on Instagram live with probably just 10 people watching. But to me, I was like, I've, I've blurted out to the world that I want to do something like this. Someone shared this opportunity. Clearly, I, I need to do something. <laughs> I need to put my money where my mouth is. And literally, it just went from there. So so she shared that with me and, and, and someone else did the same day. And I thought, oh, okay, this, this is a sign. <laughs> I just need to like dive deep. And I, I literally put together, you know, an application to this scholarship that very day and, and finalized it the next day and submitted it. I tried not to overthink and I get this email and it says, you've won. Scholarship. <laughs> and I, I remember my heart just absolutely just going to the bottom of my stomach and thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? With regards to like your, your food and your nutrition, I mean, to be honest, I always think this is, sounds quite fun during training because it's like, oh, you can just try loads of different things and see what you like <laughs> and see what you didn't like. What were you finding that worked well for you? Yeah, so that's a really good question in nutrition. So that's one thing my coach from the very start said, nutrition, you need to train your body, you need to find what your body likes, you know, to avoid this GI distress, as a gastrointestinal distress and things like that. So she, you know, would su suggested things. I said, oh, she knows some people who eat, you know, eat, would survive on pork pies. Or, <laughs> or, and I just, I'd write this down. I'm like, I'm going to try that. So previously, uh, when I went, when I did my sort of short rides, I would live off of Snickers bars. You <laughs> Amazing. Know, I'd have a, yeah. yeah, I'd have a Snickers bar, you know, uh, the bottom or top of a climb. And that would do me all right. But with this, as soon as I started doing some longer rides, doing, you know, 100K um, training rides, I soon got really sick of them. I was like, I don't like Snickers anymore. <laughs> I've eaten them to the death. What am I going to do now? And I just, I tried you know, the pork pies. The pork pies worked for a while <laughs> until I got sick of them as well when, I, when it came to the race. But I just experimented with initially um, those sort of energy OT bars. I know I did, I knew I didn't want to live off of gels just because they just I just didn't really enjoy them and I didn't think they were sort of sustainable source for a long trip so I tried to stick with as much real to as much real food as possible how did you race in it because like I would struggle to get out the car like yeah, oh my god like I'd be shaking and just like that's that's mental resilience right there like opening the car door and stepping out yeah. into the rain yeah so I remember sitting in the car and thinking wow the challenge starts here. Like, you know, I thought the challenge would start in two, three days, whatever it says, you know, that's when you reach that sort of point, you know, where you're struggling. But it started there. And I sat in the car for a good 15, 20 minutes, just like, I, I, can't, I can't get out. And then I was like, right, you know what, we just 
it's not going to stop raining. I just have to step out of it. And there are other people in the same situation. So I've just got to get out. And I, I got out the car, took my bike out and walked over to the near the start point. And there was this sort of gazebo and all the other races were huddled under it, shoulder to shoulder, just trying to stay out of the rain. And we're all just laughing. We're absolutely soaked. Like, just in the short walk from the car to the start, I was wearing water, my waterproof jacket, but everything else was completely soaked through my shoes. Everything was completely wet. It was sort of, you know, it was an un- unexpected downpour. So even the wet weather gear that most of us brought was more summer wet weather gear. This was like, this was like winter rain, <laughs> but it was just a good laugh. It was just a bit comical. The start of the race got delayed again because of the rain. They tried to wait for, for it to die down a bit. It, it didn't. 